the book of Galatians, at least the first two, three weeks we've been in it, is that, you know, a lot of theology stuff here. And we got another one today. But I don't want you to turn off. I don't want you to go, oh, that's a, you know, a little academic for me. I want you to stay with us because the truth of the matter is understanding theology. The word theology just means the study of God, the knowledge of God. Understanding things about God changes our daily life. You know, she's in a rainstorm, and, and now a little bit of theology is helping her understand what's going on in, in, in the rain. And you and I need to understand the events of our lives through the lens or through the, the perspective of what God is doing. So a little, bit of, a little bit of theology is good for the soul, and that's what we're doing. Last week, or the first week, we, we, we looked, went into the book of Galatians, and we looked at who and what and where and when and how and why and all of that stuff. And then last week we looked at the law. What is it? Remember in chapter 4 he asked that, that critical question, are you even aware of what the law is? And I tried my best to get, to get a big framework, to back up, back up, back up, all the way to the Garden of Eden and get a framework for everyone to understand what the law was all about. And the bottom line is we should be able to conclude with, with real firmness, the law, oh my goodness, we cannot measure up. We're going to perpetually be in a state of concern. Most religions around the world teach and, and get folks into a, to a, a, a gerbil kind of experience in a cage with one of those wheels. And it's just a, I, I do this and I appease and then I do that and I appease and then I do this and I appease and I don't do that and all oh, that makes him happier with me. And hopefully this is one of those good days when he's really happy with me. It is the gospel of the New Testament, of the Christian faith, that brings a totally different perspective. It's no longer, can I get on the wheel and spin it fast enough in the right direction, in the right ways, and say the right things, and do the right things, and stop doing the wrong things, and make sure that maybe on this day I did enough and God's a little pleased with me. The message of the gospel is the opposite of that. And we want to talk about the gospel today. If you've got your Bibles open, we're going to try to understand what the term means first. So the word gospel just means good news. So I got to thinking about it. What would be good news? Well, some examples of good news. Um, you know, I was looking up some, some uh, cures for various diseases. Can you imagine being the first patient with bubonic plague where they had the cure? And the doc came running in and said, I got it. That would be good news. That would be really good news. I was watching a little bit of Elizabeth I, uh, the movie. And the Spanish Armada, if you know anything about English history, was off the coast. And through a fluke of, of, of nature, really, God blowing some wind the wrong direction, the Spanish Armada got pushed in the northerly direction, and the few British ships were able to intermingle among them and, and, and push off the Spanish Armada, and England was saved. And to a great extent, that impacts all of us because we probably wouldn't be sitting here, or at least we would have a decidedly different last name uh, and, and, and twinge of Spanishness to us had, had they got ashore. It was good news when that soldier that was standing on the cliffs of Dover saw them all burning and came running into the tent where Queen Elizabeth I was standing and said, hey, they aren't going to land. That's good news. What about um, the first guy that announced uh, World War I is over, they've surrendered? Whoever got jumped in a jeep and ran back to the first commander and said, they got a white flag up, that must have been good news. Um, 
you know, if you lived in parts of Australia where it doesn't rain for years and years, and suddenly it rains and your crops have a chance, that's good news. The birth of a baby. You've tried for years and years and years, and suddenly you're pregnant, and that sweet little darling comes into the world. That is great news. The word gospel just means good news. In fact, it was, it was a word that was used throughout the then-known world. Even pagans used it as a, as a form of a good announcement. There's a good announcement. It's the gospel. So they took that word, the early church did, and said, wait a minute, we have got an unbelievable good piece of news for you. The word gospel shows up in our Bibles over 70 times in the New Testament. And in the book of Galatians, just look at it. Galatians uh, chapter 1, let's just glance down. Verse number 6. In fact, I have these marked on my little handy-dandy dealer here. It'll be easier for me with that. So verse 6, the first time it shows up, they're turning to a different gospel. Verse 7, to pervert the gospel. Verse 8, should we preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you? Verse 9, uh, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted. Verse 11, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach to you is not of human origin. Chapter 2, verse number what? 3, 2? Um, he says that too. I went in uh, response. Uh, I went in uh, response to a revelation and meeting privately with those elders or leaders. I presented to them the gospel. Down to verse five, we did not give in to them for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved. Um, verse number seven, the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised. Verse fourteen, uh, they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Chapter 3, verse number 8, the, the Gentiles, or excuse me, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. So that's back in Genesis chapter 2. He's saying there was the good news. And then over into chapter 4, verse number 13. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. So the word gospel is, is all throughout the Bible, but in particular, uh, Paul, or, uh, yes, Paul is very interested that the message to the Galatians be centered around this good news and, and, and makes good sense. He's also concerned that they abandon their attempt to try to live under the law. So the antithesis of living under the law is living under the gospel. The difference between one end of the continuum being uh, an attempt to appease a holy and a righteous God by keeping law at the other end of the continuum, embracing the, the, the graciousness and the, and the glory of the gospel itself. Now, the term gospel can mean everything from, as it says in Mark, Mark chapter 1, uh, the very first verse in the gospel of, of Mark, it says, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ. So he's, he's taking the word gospel there to mean everything about him, all the stories about him, everything he taught, all the details of his life. He's, he's merging it all into that sense of the gospel. So it is good news that Jesus came in the flesh. It is good news that he lived a certain kind of life. It is good news that he preached a certain way, taught in parables and so on. So, so Mark's taking the term and, and, and encapsulating everything about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ in the, in the, the terminology of the word gospel. But most of the time when the word gospel is used, it's in reference to a little bit more clearly defined. It's really, it's really an expression of the, the, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Specifically, 
his offering himself as the sacrifice, which was accepted by Almighty God, and in our stead paid the price for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day victorious. One writer this week I saw made me chuckle. He says, on Friday, Christ wrote a check, uh, paid in full, and on Sunday it got cashed. It's kind of a nice little phrase. The gospel. In Mark's case, everything having to do with the life of Christ, more specifically when Paul's going to use it in our, in our study, he's going to be talking about the message of the saving part, the saving emphasis of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, I found the gospel in four minutes, and I loved it. So I want to share this with you, and hopefully you can all hear this. We'll get it up as loud as I can get it, and you will be able to... It's the full story of life crushed in the four minutes. Oh, man, let's start this over. Yeah, that would be good. Here we go. It's the full story of life crushed in the four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told. God. Yes, God. The maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance. Seen and unseen, what can and can be touched. Thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, a concept so cold, it's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond. Creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting from his job. An odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working. And used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature... Your species, you participated in the mutiny, our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. They don't need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer. An asthma. Choking out our life force. Forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection but silly us trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus this is us keep up your good deeds chant pray meditate but all of that of course is spraying cologne on a corpse or you can choose to ignore it as if something don't stink it's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe but all of that ends with how good is good enough 
Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list. Because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope we're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says as part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is someone die in your place. And that someone got to be perfect. Or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness his death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in him, and him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ through Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. Whoa, isn't that good? As they say, that'll preach. Let's turn this off and see if we can turn that. Thank you. It's called the Four Minute Gospel, or the Gospel in Four Minutes. You can find it at Pipeline Generation. I put it in your notes. The Gospel. The term gospel, euangelion, it's a cool little, I love words that roll around in your mouth, euangelion. The gospel answers really uh, and is focused on four simple questions. And I got these simple questions out of an article by a, name, by a guy by the name of Greg Gilbert. I give him credit for it. But the first question was, who made us and to whom are we accountable? Stop and think about it. Who made us and to whom are we accountable? When I go to share Christ with someone out of the blue, I don't have a, a long relationship with them, I don't know a lot about them, I never stop my go- start my gospel presentation in the New Testament. I always start it in Genesis. Because if you don't get that he's the owner, that he's the boss, then it's really hard for, me, for, for you to get the idea that he has a claim on your life and that you don't measure up to his claim. So by asking the question or answering the question, who made us and to whom are we accountable, Get you started in understanding what the gospel is. The answer is we're accountable to God. He's the creator. He's the owner. He made us. It started with him. It did not start with us. Our culture has this so turned around. We are not the center of the universe. We're a creature that was created, and yes, in the image of God, having great and powerful implications. All of the gender issues that are going on in our culture right now are because people have not understood that they were created in the image of God. 
There is great value in just who you are because he made you. He had you in mind from the moment of, of your conception. So who made us and to whom are we accountable? We're accountable to God. The second question that the gospel's organized around is, so what's your problem? Well, that's pretty easy for anyone that will take 13 seconds to think about what's come before and what's coming next. Who, who made you? Got it? Okay, I'm going to buy that I'm accountable to God. So what's my problem? My problem is I don't measure up. No matter how good. I had a friend in college that I thought this girl was just the most perfect person on the face of the earth. She never had a bad attitude. She never said anything strange about anybody. She was never sarcastic. She was never biting. She was never unkind. To the meanest and most awful people in our, in our college, she was gracious. Nothing like me, I might add. But. <laughs> And, and, and after I became a believer, I kept thinking, is she, is she lost? I don't know. Could she possibly lost? I can't find anything wrong. Well, I got to see her many years later after we were out of college. She was married, had two children, blah, blah, blah. I got to spend a weekend with her. And I, and I was with her for a few hours, and something came up about her work, and I, and I heard a, an attitude. Whoa. Is that in there all that time? I, I never thought that. Even the person that you think is the kindest soul in the face of the earth, there are ways in which they fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how far short or in what ways you fall short. It's like we go into the gym, we draw a line. I don't know how high the ceiling is, but let's go about four feet from the top and draw a line around the gym. And we tell everybody to jump up, meet the line. Jump up, get the line. Well, some people are going to get up there a ways, right? They're really good athletes, and I'm going to get about, you know, that far. It doesn't matter how far up you get. If you fall short of the standard, you fall short. And the standard is perfection. So what's our problem? Our problem is is sin, that which makes us human. What's the solution? The solution to our problem is our salvation that came through the work of that Jesus Christ did on our on our behalf. And and how do I get included in this solution? I come to be included in that solution by something called repentance and faith. The gospel is the presentation. It's the good news. Hey guys, hello. God came and did for you what you could not do yourself. That's the good news. What did he do? He sacrificed himself to meet the standard he and he alone can get up to that line, that standard of perfection before a holy and righteous God. And in doing so, then turned around and offered it to anyone and everyone who by repenting of their sins and putting their faith in Jesus Christ becomes a believer. He allowed my record to be his record. It no longer shows my sin, my, my, my indiscretions, my falling shorts. All it shows is the record of Jesus Now, I put it in summary because I really like this. The story of the gospel is found in Scripture. Okay, so I I went to church from the time I was a little child. I went to all kinds of instructions. I went to a Catholic church or Catholic school. I had all kinds of opportunities. The priests in the communities were our family's personal friends. The nuns hang out at my house. We hung out in their place. 
Someday I'll tell you about how I made money giving tours through the nuns' convent. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I knew a lot about God. A lot about God. But it wasn't until that summer before my 20th birthday that, that I was able to get my hands on a scripture and really begin to articulate, oh, oh, this was for me. Oh, I don't earn it. Oh, I don't deserve it. Oh, I, I can't do these things to appease you. I must by faith turn and, and repent of my sins. Turn from, repent means just to turn away, a 180, to turn from everything that I thought could get me in good stead with you and instead turn into the full face of Jesus, which by faith I can now take. It's found in the scriptures. It's why the Bible is so important. Why, why we make a big deal about Bible here at Stony Brook. Chapel the other day was screaming at the teachers for not making the older kids bring their Bibles to chapel. You say, Sherry, it takes them forever to even find a, a passage. Yes, it does. But what it says to that kid is, this book is important. We're going to take the four minutes it takes to find Philemon. We are. It's in the middle. It's in the There it is. I want your kids that go to Stony Brook to, to feel like that, that book is important. That's God's love letter. It's one of those special things. It's not that it's, it's wooden or cold or it's academic or scholarly. No, it's a love letter, but it's an important piece of the puzzle. I can't know all this stuff if I'm not in God's word. And that's why Paul's ragging on the churches in Galatia. You've got to get in the book. And in that case, it was his letters and his teaching that was being rehearsed. So the story of the gospel is found in the scriptures. The need for the gospel is our sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short. Well, not me. I'm a little on the perfect side. Really? I don't think so. Um, I went to had a kid in school, about third grade, I think he was, and we were talking about this for some reason, and he said, I don't think I've ever sinned. <laughs> I said, you just did. <laughs> so what are you saying? I said, you just lied to me. I didn't lie to you, yeah. I saw you yesterday. That little tackle in the soccer game. Oh, you mean when I... <laughs> yeah, that one. Kids know, adults know when they're being honest. It's really hard to stand in front of a mirror and say, I'm perfect. That every, all of my attitudes, all my thought life, my relationships are in perfect balance. I'm not selfish. I'm not self-centered. Really? <laughs> Some worse than others, I get that. Some have a bent here or a bent there or something else that's... But what the Bible calls the sin that does so easily beset you, you know, your, your go-to, your defaults. Uh, I, I realize that those are not all the same for everyone. But the, the need for the gospel should be so obvious. The person of the gospel is Jesus Christ. He, he's the reason we have good news. Paul's making a big case all throughout the book of Galatians. Uh, you are not going to get it. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to have a Christian life worth, worth living. If you keep referring back to the law, no, let me remind you of the good news. The good news of the fact that Jesus Christ has come and given a gift. The gift of the gospel uh, is grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. 
lest anybody should boast. See, we can't even boast that I got saved. I can't even say to you, isn't it great that I became a believer? Look here at me. Because the ability to have faith, even that was a gift. I understood because God enlightened my mind. I chose to choose to accept it because he made it clear to me and gave me some wisdom. He gave me the ability to have faith. The gift of the gospel is the ability to to put our, our faith in action. What does is, what is the gospel accomplish? Well, it accomplishes something called justification. Now, I, I, I know you got that part of your notes, but turn, lay them side by side. Lay page two but beside this little paragraph we're working our way through. See page number two? Just pull out this staple, it won't or anything. I, I, it had dawned on me while I was writing this lesson, there, there, there might be some terms here that some of you might not be familiar with. And the first one is that word justification. Big word, justification. Simple definition, just as if you never sinned. Now that's not completely comprehensive from a theological perspective, but it's pretty close. When you become justified, it's as if you never sinned. There is a declaration on your record, and the declaration on your record is written in the blood of Jesus Christ. Saved. Salvation has been there. Justified. No longer held accountable for that sin. I was watching uh, an episode of Blue Bloods the other day. Anybody watch Blue Bloods? All right, anyway. And so it, it doesn't really matter what the punchline of the story was, but one of the family members had a card from their father, who is the chief of police of New York City, and it's called a courtesy card. And so I guess if you get in trouble, maybe it still exists, I don't know, I've never had a policeman as a relative, but, but a courtesy card uh, expresses that my dad or my mom is a, is a policeman. And so we're looking for a little courtesy here, <laughs> even though I was driving uh, 15 miles over the speed limit. I got to thinking about that courtesy card. That's exactly what my salvation is. I got a courtesy card. <laughs> because when Satan comes and starts tap dancing all over my head, look at that attitude. How could you possibly call yourself a Christian? That behavior stinks. How do you think you're going to get into heaven? I pull out my courtesy card. <laughs> my courtesy card is not an American Express card. This doesn't happen to be in my pocket. It's not an American Express card. It's much, 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 much better. It doesn't even have my name on it. Well, it does. You can kind of see it. What you see is the blood of Christ. And so, in fact, that brings us down to another word here, the word propitiation. You see that one there? A little, little above the word justification. Propitiation. What does propitiation mean? Propitiation is the wrath of God has been poured out upon a substitute. But in its simplest term, the word propitiation means, well, let me describe it this way. We're going on a picnic. We're going out into the forest, and they got some really nice picnic benches, but lots of stuff has happened on those picnic benches. So you need a propitiation for the top of that picnic bench. What are you going to put up there? Tablecloth. It's a covering. The birds have been all over that, animals, whatever. Nobody's cleaned it up lately. Nobody's scrubbed it. So you take a nice, fresh, clean tablecloth and slap it over the top. It's a covering. Propitiation as a covering. Here's my, here's my courtesy card, and there is a propitiation on it. And that propitiation is the blood of Jesus Christ. When you go to see my sin, sorry, Charlie, it ain't there. 
past, present, future. Now, does that not mean, does that mean that I shouldn't be accountable for my actions or my attitudes today? No. It just means that the ultimate payment, the ultimate criteria for my standing with God has nothing to do with my performance. Did I pray enough today? Did I go here? Did I do that? Did I have that right attitude? Did I have my quiet time at the right time in the morning? Did I spend enough time? Did I pray long enough? Did I... All of that is good stuff to do, but it has nothing to do with the propitiation. The propitiation, the covering. The accomplishment of the gospel is justification. The clearing out so that it is as if my record never had a blemish of any kind. In the Old Testament, there are lots of different words for sin. And they all have to do with, and this is a great mental picture, I think, of a of a big bullseye made out of hay, and you're trying to learn how to shoot bow and arrows. So you stand back here, and you shoot, and you fall short of the, of the whatever. And you shoot, and you, and you shoot over. And you shoot, and it goes to the right. And you shoot, and it goes to the left. All of which didn't hit the mark. Those are all the words in the Old Testament for sin. And it don't matter whether you shot over, or shot to the right, or shot to the left, or fell short. It's all falling short of the standard of hitting the bullseye. And, and when we look at the gospel, the accomplishment of the gospel is all of those arrows show up in the center. There was a barn somewhere back east. I hope when I'm in New Hampshire I see it. I don't know that it still exists. but uh, They had big arrows, literal big arrows, and they all were in the center of a bullseye on the side of the barn. And the guy driving by went, wow, someone was a great shot. He said, well, not really. We just stood here and shot all the arrows and then went and painted all the center section in the middle. And it really looked good when you wrote. That's what we try to do. We shoot, 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 and sin's all over the place. And so we go, oh boy, got to cover that up. Got to look, look a little better. Get out the red paint, make a very large bullseye. And everybody goes, yeah, look at Sherry. Oh, in a bullseye, girl. <laughs> the bullseye was this big and I was nowhere near it but the gospel brings the good news of justification now what's my response my response is to in repentance and faith say thank you I'm turning from my dependence on myself I'm turning from my way of trying to, to do life and I am full face coming around to everything that Jesus is requiring which is by faith to put my trust in him how does a, a person become a, a Christian? By turning their back to the way of their life and turning instead in faith to what Christ has done for them. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Well, do you have to say a certain kind of words? No. Do you have to do it standing, kneeling, in church, up front, on Tuesdays? Sunlight, no sunlight? No. What, what is appropriate is that there is a response to what Christ has done. And then, and then what's the responsibility afterwards? So we all just get up and go, all right, we got our courtesy card. Life is good. Tuck that baby in your phone and run with it. Any problem you got, slap out that old courtesy card and you're good to go. No. If, if back to that illustration, if your dad was the chief of police... 
not likely you're going to want to be caught dealing drugs. <laughs> not likely. Now, the courtesy card might, might get you out of some minor infractions. But don't you care what your dad thinks? So the cop's going to let you off the first time, second time, third time. What are they talking about down at the precinct? The chief of police's kid who can't drive worth banana. You really want that on your dad? At some point, you're going to be motivated, as you mature at least, to say, hmm, rein in my lead foot here a little bit, even though I've got a courtesy card. In the, in the life of a believer, we don't go, hey, I've got to get out of jail free card. I know when I die, I'm going to heaven, so all bets are off. Have fun. Eat, drink, and be merry. Because I got my salvation squared away. No. Out of love and respect and appreciation at a deep and personal level, we say, okay, Lord, I want to act like one of your kids. I'm not so good in that area, and I'm going to work on that. I've been, I've been struggling with that, and I'm going to ask a friend to help me be accountable and really put some time and attention on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up my game in this area because I just want to please you. I can never pay you back. It's not quid pro quo. It's not what I do for what you did for me. But it's just a way of saying thank you. At the core of my being, thank you. So the responsibility of the gospel is a big word called sanctification. The sanctification, the word, means that, that it's the work of God in us to change fallen sinners into faithful worshipers. We grow, we become. If you've been a believer longer than a week, we should see a difference. Someone who's known you for a while and really knows you should be able to say, hey, I see some real growth in you. I, I noticed that that, that, you know, that attitude that used to come so quickly doesn't come so quickly. Or I've noticed... You're no longer gossiping with us the way you used to. Or I've noticed that you, you're, le- you're leaning into prayer a lot quicker. Or I've noticed that you seem more patient with your children. Or I've noticed that, that your love relationship for your husband is rich. I didn't, I didn't see that before. Look, guys, all of those things are evidence that we're sanctifying, that are being sanctified, that there is sanctification going on. We're growing, we're becoming. Now, there's no perfection, and, and, and if you're like me, it's, you know, three steps forward and one or two back, and then a couple more forward, and then maybe one back, and then a couple more forward. I mean, it's not like this. If you had a graph of your spiritual walk, it's going to be more like, but if you, if you did like the kids do and you drew a long line, it should be an ever upward. Some falling down, some, yeah. Maybe a few spikes of real disobedience. I get it. But an ever upward. That's the word sanctification. That's what happens when the gospel takes root. When it starts to grow. When that little seed breaks out. You know, in order to have things grow, the seed has to die. Die, 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 dead. And then out of it pops something and it starts to grow. You water it, you put it in the right set of circumstances. A little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. That's us. We have to die to self. And once we're dead, 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 
then God in the Holy Spirit starts watering and there's, there's, there's good stuff happening around us and we have the input of the gospel and, and relationships with believers and, and the input of the scripture and it starts to grow and it starts to grow and it starts to grow and over a period of years, there's some real growth there. We're not the same people we were 20 years ago. If, you're, if your spiritual life is just like this, then frankly, I question whether you've ever really come to Christ in saving faith. Because there, there is some growth. I'm not saying there's perfection by any means. I am saying there is a process whereby the Holy Spirit drags, if necessary, us ever upward. We submit to that willingly, hopefully, and, and, and there's growth. But I'll tell you in my own life, well, even when I'm not willing, he's dragging. You know? So growth in the gospel is sanctification. And then there's an eternal reward. What's the eternal reward for the good news? It's another big word. It's the word glorification. When do we get glorified? Anybody glorified yet? No, I don't think so. You know, um, when uh, Jesus appeared to his disciples after uh, the Resurrection Sunday, and they weren't sure that it was really him, and he, and he invited them to see the marks in his hands and his feet and so on and so forth, he was alive with them, among them, for 40 days before he actually ascended back into heaven. Paul, in another place in the New Testament, makes the remark that when we see him, we'll see him as he is, and, and we will be known. There will be a glorification. This body that I've been dragging around for almost 70 years ain't going to be part of the equation. I'm going to be in a glorified state. I'm going to have a body. That's a topic for another day. But I'm going to have a body, and it's going to work really, really good. I am not going to need five knee replacements. I'm not. Nothing of my joints are going to ache. There are, there's going to be no cancer of any kind. There is a glorification. And my propensity to sin, that nature that's so stinking selfish, will be gone. Glorification. All of that is part of the good news. The gospel. So I put in there a bunch of definitions for you. If some of them are new to you and things that you're not as familiar with, I, I would invite you to look at them. But, but, but what's important after a discussion, an academic discussion of, of the gospel, is to answer the question, so what? So, so you get it. Now you need to share it. So I, I was reading, again, as I mentioned earlier, about cures. Can you imagine, at the time of the bubonic plague, what they called the Black Death, when most of Europe was, was killed, if, 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 the, if the little doctor in the corner came up with the solution, happened to be the germs that were being carried by the, the fleas on the animals and so on and so forth, if, if, if you were the one that came up with the, this is how the Black Plague is transmitted, and all we need to do is let everybody know to get rid of da 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 if you walked out into your shop, looked out into the street, saw the suffering that was going on, where, what, two-thirds of the population was killed for the, with the Black Plague, and you went, no, it's so hard to explain. I, you know, and they're not going to believe me because there's been all those other guys that have come along and had stories and didn't really work. Nobody's going to believe me. You know, and I really need to take care of my family first. 
about what they're going to think about us. Why are we worried about, yeah, well, you know, religion, talk about anything but politics and religion? <laughs> really? You have good news. Really good news. Don't you want to tell her? You have really, really good news, Marcia. Don't you want to tell her? Well, I, I don't have the right words. Kanisha's really smart. <laughs> she really is. She really is. <laughs> I don't know her that well either. You don't. What if she laughs at you? Wow, that would be bad, wouldn't it? You've never been laughed at? Go drive on the freeway. I'll give you a little sign with his hand that he doesn't like you. <laughs> you get my point? So I decided to answer the so what question by giving you a, a practical, just one, there are many ways you could share the gospel. And I'm encouraging you to get a partner, find somebody that's in the same boat as you, a little shy, not so good at sharing, and start practicing. And this is just a series of verses that would help you. And this is how I started out learning how to share the gospel. I found Romans 3.23. So everybody go in your Bible and find Romans 23, 3.23. Find 3.23. And if you've got electronic Bibles, this doesn't work so good. We need real Bibles. But you can do it. If you're smart, you'll know how to put an electronic tag there. Because we're going to write a note next to Romans 3.23. So you got Romans 3.23. If you've got a real Bible, you can write it in the margin. What you're going to do is lay out a series of verses that you can take people through one by one to answer really good questions. So the first question is, you know, I consider myself a good person. Won't that be enough? Answer, no. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. All you have to be able to find is Romans 3.23. That's it. You found it? Now write in the margin 3.10. So you go to 3.10. Ah, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Fine discussion. Now right next to 310, write 512. So you go to 512. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. I'm making my case that being a good person isn't enough. All of sin, it comes to the glory of God. I didn't have to find three verses, I found one verse. Romans 3.23. Next to 3.23, I had 3.10. Next to 3.10, I wrote uh, 5.12. Now, next to 5.12, I'm going to write 6.23, because that's the next question. Is sin really that big of a deal? And if it is, what hope is there? Well, just happen to have a verse for you. 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And next to 323, I'm going to write 5.8. Because after what I've done to grieve God, how could he willingly die in my place? Well, God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How many verses have I memorized? None. I've memorized one location, Romans 3.23. And I already got three major points down in my, in my little sharing. So next to 5.8, I'm going to write 10, 9, and 10. Because the next question is, well, how can I do this? How can I be saved? 10, 9, and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that Christ has raised him from the dead, or that, that God has raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved for the, with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, I don't know. Did he really hear me? Does he really, did he accept me? I write in the margin 1013. For whosoever, underline that word, calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's put somebody's name in there. If Carrie called upon the name of the Lord, would she be saved? Yes. If Kathy called upon the name of the Lord, would she be saved? Yes. Etc. Etc. And next to 310, I write, or, or 1013, sorry, I write 1017. So what do I do now that I've called upon the name of the Lord? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Get in this book and read, eat, study, think. Now, we just led someone to Christ. We just gave the good news. You say, well, I don't understand how evolution fits in the Bible. Great, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Well, did he create in seven literal days, seven ages, or was it over a long period of time? I don't care. <laughs> I care about it later. But I don't care about it while I'm sharing the good news. If I'm telling you the cure for bubonic plague, I'm not going to talk about a geography lesson. <laughs> Who cares where the border is between Prussia and whatever? I'm interested in giving you this cure. We're just trying to get a tool in your hands. Now, anybody can do that. Anybody. When I first became a believer and I first started wanting to share the good news, someone shared this tech with, technique with me. And I barely could find Romans 3.23. In fact, the little thing in my Bible, the little ribbon went there, and I had a big bookmark. But once I found 3.23, I was good to go. Because I had in the margins the little roadmap to the next thing I wanted to say. And all I had to do was follow the stinking roadmap. You don't have to be an unbelievable cook to teach someone how to make soup. You do not. There are simple presentations of the good news. In John 9, there's a blind man that's going to get healed. It's one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. And, and, and the Pharisees come up and, and start asking him about hey, how come you got healed? Or they start with, well, why are you blind? Is that your fault or your parents? And then they get into, oh, you got healed. Well, how did you get healed? Why did you, who, tell us about this man, the guy who healed you. Was he a sinner? Big bad? What did he look like? Tell, tell us about him. And he does an incredible statement in chapter 9 of John. Verse number 25, he says this, whether he, that is Jesus, is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. I don't care if you can explain evolution versus creation. Who cares whether you get the book of Revelation or not? It doesn't matter. You have the good news. You were blind. Now you can see. You have your story to tell. So if you have your story of how you came to saving faith in Christ, you tell your story, find Romans 3.23, and follow the yellow brick road, you can share the gospel. The gospel was very important to Paul in the book of Galatians, and it ought to be very important to you and me. Let's pray.
Father, I remember the first time that the gospel was ever presented to me. I was a child, and it came in the form of a family that lived down the street, and they just lived different. And I wondered, how is it that they live like that? And then as I grew up and became aware, and then that fateful summer when the gospel was clear, I didn't know anything. I knew, though, that whereas I was once blind, I, I could see. And I probably had more fervor that next fall and year falling than I've had for the last 50 years. Break my heart, Lord. Make me want to tell the story, the good news. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.